Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into the College Age Movement podcast. This week we got to talk to Mark and Denise Johnson about the idea of romance. And uh, it's the fourth part of our series, Loveology. And it's just been an absolutely incredible series. We've had different couples come in and give their unique perspectives on different things and to encourage us and to give us insight into what it means to, to approach these different aspects of love in a way that honors Christ. And so would you tune in and listen to Mark and Denise as they tell their story and how romance has been such a huge huge part of their lives. Thank you guys for being here. Um, yeah, it, so, it, I was, the, first of all, the, the, the worship was just so perfect. Denise and I, uh, we started off, well, we're going to tell you our story tonight, but um, uh, when, when we finally got married, we uh, prayed one prayer. Lord, would you send us to a group of people that can help us grow? We just wanted to grow in Christ, and so we uh, had two more years of school to, to do, and so we went down to the, the main campus of New Mexico State so I could finish my degree. And um, so we got there on one day, and the next day we met a campus organization which was focused on college students. We stepped into that, and that's how we began to lay our, our roots in Christ. And so I was just kind of overwhelmed back there tonight with the music and, and uh, just the faithfulness of God. You know, if God was not faithful for one second, we could say, ah, there's a chink in your armor. I caught you not being faithful. You're not faithful, right? Or if God for one second was not loving, we could say, ah, oh, you, you know, I, I caught you on that moment. You were very mean at that moment. You're, you're a mean God because I caught you in that. But he will always be faithful. He will always be loving. He will always be kind. He cannot deny who he is. And so when we were singing about that, I was just overwhelmed by his goodness. And, and even in our story tonight. But uh, so kind of emotional, you can tell. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so grateful. So we started off our lives in ministry with college students. And so it's so great to be with you tonight. And I think the reason why I like it so much College is because you're asking what I think are the five big questions. First of all, who am I? And is there a God? And who am I in relation to God? And then, Lord, do you have something for me in terms of long-term vocation? How should I be living my life this side of heaven in, in you? And does that include a mate? And so if it does, what is romance? That's what we're supposed to talk about tonight. So Denise and I, for the last two weeks, have been thinking about what is romance? And we've got some definitions, and, and uh, by the way, we discovered back there, we, we finally found the answer after a couple of weeks, and the fact is, God is the purpose behind romance. In First John, it says, God is love. John tells us that. God is love. God is love headquarters, and if he wasn't who he is, then we would not have romance. So he is the author behind romance, so we've got that going. In fact, I was back there, too, as we were singing these songs and worshiping the Lord, realizing that's it. That is where romance comes from. He designed it. He put it in us, a longing for romance, but he wants it with him first. And he has your life charted out, and, and he has the right people he's going to weave in and out of your life. And uh, anyway, I was like Mark. It was like, oh, these songs are amazing, so thank you so much. We got to participate in that. So what is romance? Uh, we're going to start off by asking you that question. How would you define romance? Because we've discovered that so there... Don't, don't go. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was all supposed to be anonymous. <laughs> uh, all right. So who's got a definition for romance? Tell me what you think it is. 
Don't be bashful. There's just a thousand people here. And we're all going to judge you when you give your answer. Okay. Intentional pursuit. That's a good definition. Good. There, there is no really right definition. No, there so is not. There is kinda, not a definition. That's what we're, we're going to come away out. on. Yeah. What else? Emotional intimacy. Oh, okay. two gigantic words. Good job. Yeah. Hey, her words were good too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Intentional pursuit, emotional intimacy. What else? Oh, exchange of love languages. Yeah. Everybody has a different love language, right? And so you're trying to figure that out, and that's romantic. What else? Pure desire. Pure desire. Desire that's pure. That would be if God's the author behind romance, right? Yeah, okay. Selfless devotion. Selfless devotion. Wow. I could go off on that. Ephesians chapter 5. The whole chapter is about selflessness, which I think is how God has wired us to follow his example in everything we do. So selfless devotion. Excellent. What else? Kind of like the application. Wow, Webster needs ben to talk said. with you guys. Because <laughs> it's way different. Say that again, Nathan. The desire to know and serve another person. That's awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. It is selfless and it is sacrificial because uh, God made us that. He, he wired us that way. And when that gets out of sync, then romance is going down the tubes. Mm-hmm. So, thank you. What else? Okay, sure. That's part of it. Cheesy sentimentality. And beside that, what's romance to her might not be to him and vice versa. So, pretty cool. What else? Okay, so uh, I'm going to read my, I'm going to read, so we have five kids. And moving on. And uh, uh, four of them are married. And so uh, we sent out, I sent out an email. We were talking about what are we going to do this year for Christmas? We're going to exchange gifts and all that business. And so uh, I said, and by the way, we're going to speak on romance. What do you guys think romance is? So here's what Eli said. Eli's 30. He said, for me, romance is waking up on a Wednesday morning and greeting your wife in the same pair of underwear you've had since Rimrock Renegade's wrestling. <laughs> you know she likes it when you wear those. So you do it because romance is about the little things. <laughs> Talk about the little, little undies. Just the little undies. <laughs> I told you, you got to be careful what you say. <laughs> She's wearing the same T-shirt that she stayed that uh, that she started the day the morning in the morning before because things get busy and showers become less of a priority when you have two busy kids. But truth be told, that too is romantic. Seeing that she beat you to turning the coffee pot on and she is substantially more alert than you are, you choose to slowly saunter towards the island where the coffee pot resides, giving her a few more moments to stare at your glory. (laughs) The seventh grade undies. The V-neck undershirt from the day before. The 41 inches that reside from the top of your waistline to the top of your blue slippers your dad used to wear, but he threw them out but you took them out of the garbage and kept them. This is all true. It's terrible. The wife of your youth drinks in the moment, giving thanks for all 160 pounds of greatness. 
Then to cap off your romantic start of the day, you lean in for a kiss. But just prior to impact, she asks a question. When are you heading into work? Emphasis on the when. The fragrance brought forth by the strong enunciation of the letter W is intoxicating and only... And only adds to the romance of the morning. It's a Wednesday. It's romantic. And I'm thankful. <laughs> so, interesting in this email that our sons wrote back very quickly. They're obviously very confident. So, our oldest son, he starts at kind of the very thing that I thought of was, well, what does Webster say about it? So he says, Webster's, via Google, says romance is a feeling of excitement and mystery associated with love. Now take that feeling and add in men and women, age, demographic, love language, and voila, a cornucopia of different perspectives. I think romance to me, like Eli, is finding the sexy in the mundane, like doing the dishes naked. (laughs) I, I do this for Jen because I know this will tick two boxes at once. One, a daily task is completed. And two, her eye gate is tantalized. Our daughters didn't respond. Hmm. <laughs> Obviously, guys and gals look at things a little differently concerning romance. Which is our point tonight. There is no hardcore definition for romance. Everybody's going to have their particular perspective. We've got some words we want to share with you later on, but we thought we might tell your story. I grew up our in story. Oklahoma. Our story. Grew up in Not Oklahoma, story, and my, my parents got divorced when I was in seventh grade, so we moved from Oklahoma City to Farmington, New Mexico, and since I'd been an, uh, a jock in Oklahoma and sports were a pretty big deal there, when I got to New Mexico, um, they were just kind of developing. For example, guys couldn't even play football until eighth grade, so I'm in eighth grade now, and so I had a head start. And uh, so it's football season, and by the way, I just, uh, just got an email today from uh, one of our friends from back in the day who said our, our, our junior high football coach died just a couple days ago, and, and I was thinking about that. I thought, now, okay, so I was extrapolating uh, how old he is now and versus how old I am, and, and I realized he was 29 when I played football for him, and I remember thinking, wow, he's the coolest guy ever, but he's kind of an old guy, and <laughs> some of you are not even that, but anyway, so... <clears throat> uh, so by October of that year, we're, you know, we're into football season. Things are going good for me. And uh, so I have a girlfriend by that point, and uh, her name was Linda. She was a drama queen. I would call her every night about uh, in the evening, and I'd do my five-minute drama queen phone call. And I'd say, well, I got homework to do. I'll uh, talk to you later. I'd hang up, and I'd call our consultant, who was Denise, who was uh, uh, her best friend. And, uh, and, and I would talk with her consultant for a solid hour every night. So take it away, Denise. So this really does tie into romance, but... Um... So when he was the new guy on the block, so to speak, my best friend tells me, um, I mean, have you seen the hunk that's just come to school? And I'm kind of like, apparently not. And um, so she goes, well, hands off, he's mine. I'm like, fine. And she goes, I'm going to invite him to my party Saturday night. And so the good news and what's good about this in the area of romance is I met him And I was just myself. It was like, well, I don't have to impress him. He doesn't have to think I'm cool. Nothing, because Linda's tagged him. So we would talk sports and do, I mean, I was just myself. And 
And that's so what the Lord wants for all of us, but we don't always do that. We, we put on some pretense of what we aren't, but he got to see the real deal there, and, and I with him, and so I became their counselor between, um, for almost the entire year till early spring, and I was a very faithful friend. I was very for her and spoke the truth into her life. Didn't know the Lord at the time, but kind of like, girlfriend, I mean, get over that. He's... <laughs> So he's talking to somebody else. Think about anyway. this. Eighth grade, you know, what do you do at an eighth grade party? Well, you eat chips. <laughs> so, and homemade dip. Yeah. And so every day after lunch, we would go out. There we had, there wasn't anything to do, so you'd go outside, and there were some, uh, like, these monkey bar type things, chin-up bars. And we'd hang out out there. And I can remember Denise. Uh, <laughs> Don't share anything embarrassing. <laughs> this isn't embarrassing. She would just say, hey, you want to see my calf muscles? There you go. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Obviously, I wasn't there to impress them except for my calves. She was super so, fast. She was a fast runner, and I liked her calf muscles. So, anyway. So, we told, so we told that to our 10-year-old grandson when we took him on a little trip. And he looks at me, and he goes, no. You didn't say that. I'm just like, oh, even my grandchild's humiliated. But... So we were Still building it. a friendship, and uh, uh, later that year in the spring, I rode my bike over to her house one day just to see how she was doing, and, and she said, uh, now, I had been a wrestler this in Oklahoma. This is embarrassing, too. She said, uh, hey, you want to show me some wrestling muscles, uh, wrestling moves? And I said, yeah. Obviously, so, <laughs> obviously I had not seen much wrestling. <laughs> So I said, well, what you do is you get down on all fours. and, uh, and the guy Oh, puts sure. You, <laughs> I'll the, do that. The guy puts one arm here, and he puts one around your waist. And so uh, then the, the referee says wrestle. So I, I took her down, and I, and I, I pinned her. And uh, we were like this close to each other. Now, remember, she's been my consultant up to this point. And uh, remember in the, I don't know if you've ever seen that Rocky movie, but uh, Rocky was super depressed, and, and, he, and, and he comes to Adrian uh, to, to her bedside, and, and she had had an accident or something. I can't remember. But anyway, she just turned to him, and she said, when? That's all she said. And, that, and all of a sudden, the music changes. It's like, nah. And so that was the pivot point for Rocky then to start working out and going to beat Clubber Lane or which, whatever, whichever guy it was. And so uh, that's what happened. That same music played when I saw her face. Just and like the movie that. had not even come out yet. Yeah, I heard it. <laughs> so it was like chemistry happened that minute. And then she got ready to move away at the end well, of that he, year. Well, he so. jumped up immediately, got on his bike, and went home. I'm like, okay, that was weird. That was the only one wrestling move I ever made. And Anyway, <laughs> but then I moved. It was yep. too weird. It was like, I mean, I can't kiss my consultant. I, so yeah. anyway, so she moved at the end of that year. Moved, moved to Amarillo and then eventually went to high school in Puerto Rico and all that. And so we uh, then, seven years later, at diff- so we had tried to get back in touch with, e- with each other at uh, a couple of times in that same town, but we were out doing our adventuresome things. And <clears throat> it just didn't work out. But both of us discovered a real relationship with the real Jesus at uh, just like at a month apart in different parts of the world and it was the coolest thing and then we ended up back in the same town 
at, uh, at about that time when we were 20. And so the last time I saw Denise, she was 13. Now she's 20 and it's like, voila, instant gorgeous babe. So uh, I wish I had a picture. <laughs> so that's, that's where, so then things picked up and we, we went phase two in our, our friendship. And what was neat, because I was really thinking that the music tonight, it was just, I was so drawn to the Lord about that, the fact that he is so about romance and, and the romance he has with us individually and how he so wants to develop that. And I remember when I, I, I neither one of us grew up in Christian homes. We did, I didn't go to church. I didn't have a background like that. And, and that can be great, and it can be crummy at the same time. But um, so I was kind of this fresh thing looking for, you know, what do I do next with my relationship with Jesus? And he was so faithful. But it was interesting. We were looking. I was up in Bellingham, Washington, and we were on campus, and I was looking for a campus organization just to see, well, what is this about? They have the word Christ in it, and let's see what who they are and that kind of thing. And my friend and I couldn't find them. But that night I remember saying, you know, before I get married, I'd like to just see old Mark Johnson one more time. And I think, where did that come from? You know, in the middle of nowhere, I feel like the Lord popped his name into my mind. And so anyway, another year and a half later or so, we did see each other. So we would have begged for what you guys have tonight. We, we had just stepped into our relationship with Jesus. We were like just cracked out of the egg type of thing. And, uh, but we uh, were, were dragging our old selves and in, in our way of trying to discover romance into this relationship and trying to figure out how to keep Christ out in front. In fact, what does that even mean to have him out in front? So we were brand new in that. And we've, I think I've discovered, we have discovered there, there's uh, five words that I think are components of, of uh, romance that they, they, they intermingle from various, uh, in various ways and at various times. I think the first one is uh, attention. And we had started paying attention to each other even in, in eighth grade. And we, we kept each other's t- attention over the years. We, we would, uh, back in those days, you didn't have cell phones, so we would have to write a letter on the average of about a, a letter a year. When, when I had moved. Yeah, and so uh, we, we kept each other's attention doing that and kind of caught up that way. And then uh, I think the second thing is uh, affirmation. And affirmation is just uh, showing value to the person you're with. And uh, some of the definitions were talking about selflessness, uh, putting the other one ahead of you and recognizing their uniqueness. That's uh, affirmation. And then I think the important thing is to have accordance, which is, uh, uh, or affinity. It's, 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 uh, in our case, it was having Christ as the center. Um, we didn't always do that because, and still don't. I've discovered in Ecclesiastes 7, there's this great verse that says, there's not a righteous man or woman on earth who continually does good and who never sins. So that puts all of us in the same boat on this side of heaven. We're all broken trying to figure it out because we don't do it all right and we don't have it all figured out. And so we're still in the process of learning more about romance. But I think accordance is really important. And then out of that comes adventure. And adventure is where you get to build memories together in the midst of adventures. And you want to continue to infuse your relationship with adventure throughout. And then, of course, is affection. And what happens, however, is um, we put affection at the forefront of the relationship. And then it causes the other things to be a little bit more confusing when you think about 
uh, attention, affirmation, accordance, adventure, then comes affection in the midst of that. And, of course, they're all woven together. But, unfortunately, what we have on TV and in movies is slamming each other against the wall and, 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 and having sex, and that's affection. And that never works. By the way, in those kind of scenes, those other three, those other four words are not even in that picture. So we've kind of discovered that over the course of life in the midst of our relationship. So we dated. And then we uh, decided. So I couldn't get my act together. On Here's the thing. I'm going to tell you this. Uh, I asked Denise to marry me a couple times. And so she dove into and that. And I said yes. Yeah. And uh, then I was thinking, oh, man, but, you know, what about and what if? And I'm not sure. And so finally she'd had it up to here, and she said, I'm out of here. So she took off and went first for one month to California and then ended up in Alaska. And, um, and I remember thinking, oh, man, what an idiot you've been. I, when she left, I kind of felt this vacuum. And uh, because my buddy, my friend, my, my, my partner in life was gone and so I determined, all right, I need to kind of rebuild this trust foundation I've just destroyed by my idiocy. So I determined that I would write her a letter a day, and, uh, which I did. And then sometimes I write a couple. And, uh, but they weren't getting to her. I was never hearing back from her. And so... There's some, <laughs> some really sympathetic people out there. It's so sweet. Oh. So why weren't they getting there? It all worked out. Yeah. The, the letters weren't getting there because... The letters were going to a place in the interior of Alaska where he thought I was, but I wasn't there. I w- I'd moved to Anchorage by that time. So I ended up getting an, a pile, like this many letters at one time. And, um, and I lived with an older couple that um, their kids were married and out of college, kind of probably our age now. And uh, I rented a room in their basement from them. And so Fred was kind of this really nice, gruff Alaskan guy, kind of like a Montana guy, but real protective. And he sees all these letters from Mark, and he is like, who is this guy? I think something's wrong with him. <laughs> and so I, and I'm trying to explain. They, they just, they all built up. No, no guy writes this many letters. But so I... Uh... One day I was, I had this little eight by 35 trailer that I lived in when I was at school in Las Cruces. And, and uh, so I was studying, I was reading John 14, 15, and 16. I remember this vividly. I was reading through the gospel of John. And in that passage, Jesus is saying, now I'm going to, when I leave, because he hadn't left yet, of course, he says, I'm going to send to you the counselor, the comforter, the spirit of truth who will guide you into all truth. And I remember thinking, yeah, that's, yeah, that's. I, I believe that. I, I can go with that. And so I thought, all right, here's the deal, Lord. I'm thinking if Denise is, is the one you've set apart for me, and, and uh, I'm thinking, wow, she's perfect. Well, then uh, I can't imagine who you have in mind. So by golly, I'm going to surrender this to you, and you're in charge. From here, on, from here on out, I'm writing no more letters. I'm giving it to you. And that was a major growth step for me to realize that God is sovereign. He's in control. Trust him. And so he wrote one more letter that shared that story. Yeah. So I have this pile of letters that I, and I've, I've gone from um, really loving him to the ice queen is what I call myself. It was like, I'm not going to have any emotion about him. 
he's kind of, if I was Jewish, I would be, he's dead to me. You know what I mean? He just, I was just like. Oh, you have to be Jewish to say that? <laughs> well, that's what they always say. Oh, okay. They, whoever they are. Okay, don't, just take that off what I said. Anyway, people can say. Um, so I'm reading these letters where he's pouring out his heart to me, and I literally am just tossing them, kind of like, yeah, right, like I'm going to believe that. There's no way. I'm not going back down that road. And then I get this letter after that big pack has come. I get that letter, and I read it, and that's what breaks my heart. Then I start weeping because it's like he's really given me up and only the Lord can redeem this situation. And I felt open to it. Like, Lord, if you want to, I, I actually will cooperate with you now. Because before that, it was almost like, I don't care, Lord, even what you want to do. I would, you know, I'd be a fool, that kind of thing. So, but it was the letter of him saying, I'm done with that and trust the Lord that made me warm up again. So then... I came back, that was after Thanksgiving, so sometime between, because it would have taken at least a week to even get up there, so it would have been in December before I would have gotten it, and I was flying home to Albuquerque to see my family at Christmas, and um, during... <laughs> we have to tell that story. Okay, so... So... You, you tell part of it. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, this is so funny. I'm super pumped. I mean, she, I, I, I get response that, hey, the, the, she, she got the letters, so um, I worked, I, I was so dirt poor. Uh, I worked at a place called the Double Eagle where I was like a grill cook. And uh, we would always put these mushrooms on the plates when we'd serve the plates, steaks and prawns and all these great things that were going out to these rich people. And I was so poor. I would take these, I would, I would kind of save some of the, these uh, mushrooms. Sort of steal. Set them in a little bowl over here. And that was how I ate and survived. And I was saving my money like crazy because she's coming back. And I had this, uh, this pickup that was a 68 Dodge that got uh, four gallons to the mile. So I could, never, I could never drive that thing. And I was saving my money like crazy. And it had these gigantic mirrors that stuck way out. And they were gigantic, like picture windows. And so I, I hated that truck. It looked like a dog's head to me. And so there was like, like you could see the road uh, pressing, in, pressing in, on. in the floorboard of this thing. So I'm on my way to get her, and I, I negotiated this thing with her mom. Her mom said, yeah, she's supposed to be in at such and such time. And so, and I don't know this. I lived in Las Cruces, and it's 250 miles to Albuquerque. And so I had just enough money to be able to, uh, to have enough gas to get there to pick her up at the airport. And then to, he had, you had saved money because he wanted to wine and dine me and just yeah. show me how much he cared for me. So he had saved all this money to be able to do all these really special things. But on the way there, so yeah, so briefly, I'm, I, I don't know where we are in our time. Yeah, I, I have to tell this part of it. This is okay. part of it. He had this giant steering wheel like this, humongous. And I'm driving. And uh, I he's noticed. Not, the, unfortunately, he's not exaggerating. In, it was terrible. I'm in Socorro, New Mexico, and these guys pull up beside me, and they're pointing like this at my truck, and I'm thinking they're friendly, and I'm waving to them, and they keep pointing, and I keep waving back. And pretty soon I look in one of these gigantic mirrors I've got, and there's flames shooting out of the back of my truck. 
And I'm thinking, what is going on? Well, my brake drum had, had uh, <laughs> totally burned up, and I pulled my truck over, and there is nothing. You push on the brake pedal, there's nothing. And I'm thinking, oh, man. So I had to hitchhike into Socorro, which was 60 miles away, got this guy. And this was like at 11 at night, and I'm supposed to be there at 930 to pick her up the next day. And I'm thinking, oh, man. So uh, I get this guy to haul back out to 60 miles. He says, okay, I can help you, but i got to finish this one truck. And he finishes that about one in the morning then he goes and gets me and we had this little tow chain it was about that long and he's going 65 miles an hour and I'm behind him with no brakes and so we finally get there and we work on this thing till five in the morning he says I'm dead we need to go home and get an hour of sleep so we went to his trailer slept for a couple hours got up he fixed my truck and I'm off on the road again and I get there and I'm like 20 minutes late and I'm trying to find Denise so I get off the plane and you don't know my family background, but typical, it's like, nobody's there to get me. I'm like, I have come all the way from Alaska. So I'm, so I'm in a, back in the day, you guys, a phone booth. You know, you're just sitting in this little box with the glass. And I call my mom and say, nobody's here. And she's like, oh, Mark was supposed to pick you up. And I'm like, you are kidding. I'm like, I know, Mom. And she goes, here, talk to your sister. So she passes it <laughs> off to my sister. <laughs> and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I, cannot, I do not want to see Mark. And uh, anyway, all of a sudden, I go, oh, no, there he is. And he goes shooting by like a madman past the deal. But he looks in the booth, sees me, and then comes back. And I'm like, I've got to go. I hang up the phone. Now imagine, wouldn't that be fun to have gone through everything he's gone through? And he sees me and I'm just like, hello. And so then he gives me a hug and I'm like, are you done now? I mean, that's, I, I had done that little verbal thing to the Lord, but I hadn't gone very far past that. I was just still an ice queen. And the, the fact is that I had done that to her. I had destroyed the foundation of trust that, that you need to have in building a relationship. And she, didn't, she still couldn't trust me yet, understandably. So I hugged this gigantic iceberg that day. And actually, you know, uh, and really, it's literally, she just stood there sort of like, are you through yet type of thing. <clears throat> but um, over the course of that week, we had a chance to kind of go back and talk through the, the, the whole thing that I did to her and seek forgiveness and all that. Well, except what he did that was really actually very brave and courageous was um, he had, he plays the guitar and he had um, practiced a bunch of songs and he said, I, I want to play them for you because it tells our story, the, the heartache, the good and the bad. And, and, um, and now picture this, you guys, all you guys here, you've got your guitar. How vulnerable are you? And you say to the gal, please sit down on the couch and don't say a word until I'm done. And the gal that you want to pour your heart out to goes, fine. And I mean, I'm just like, whatever. And I'm just so annoyed. But what the Lord did is he, Mark had to spend all his money on his truck. So he had no money to wine and dine. So he couldn't do all these things he had wanted to do, which was a, a gift from the Lord, really. But what he did do was sing these songs to me, and it, it told our story, and it told of his remorse and everything he'd gone through and what I'd gone through. And by the end, he proposes, and I'm just so, I'm like, I don't know what to do now. I'm, oh, God, 
gosh, you know, and I'm crying and everything. It's like, this is not how I pictured this. But anyway, so we got engaged and I went back to Alaska, got my stuff and we got married on April 2nd and never regretted it for a second. Yeah, so. (laughs) Yeah, so. uh, Wow. We've had such a great life together, and we, have, we do. We have five kids, and we recognize that um, even having children is, is romantic in the sense that uh, they're a part of you, and, and you're watching them grow. And um, we had an opportunity. We won't tell one story as we get to kind of bringing this to a close, but um, we had an opportunity um, to go on a ski trip with our pastor and his wife, and we just thought they were the coolest people ever. They were five years older than us, and we wanted to be like them, and, and they loved ministry, and we were, we were plugged into our church, but I hadn't stepped into ministry full-time yet at that point, and so uh, they said, hey, let's, we're, we're going to go to Brackenridge, Colorado with our friends. Now, we live in Oklahoma City at this time, and uh, so we, we were pumped because we were going back to what we love to do. Yeah, it was like going to heaven, you know? It's like, yeah, we want to go. So ski we, in, ski out condo. Yeah. And we knew that the only way we could make this happen is if uh, uh, I I worked in the oil patch. I was a mud engineer, so I had this pickup, and and I was all over the state. But I found a place that that had firewood for sale, so I could load up my truck, bring it back to Oklahoma City, sell it. For uh, I could buy it for $25 and sell it for $50. And so I made some money to be able to go on this trip. And Denise was making these things uh, back in the day. Uh, she's a seamstress. And so... Uh... Anyway, <laughs> we don't even have to tell what it was. But yeah, it was a she, hot item she, and everybody bought it. She was making money. <laughs> and so we, we pulled our money. We had, we, we, we had $500 we had to have for this trip. So we take off. We had this station wagon. And, uh, well, wait, you have to back up. Before we take off, we give them everything. Oh, yeah. We paid for the condo. Then we all pitched in on food. and we, So we bought all this food, and the Bottomleys had all the food. So they had everything. They were going to bring it up, and we were going to go to New Mexico and drop our kids off at my parents' house and then meet them up in Breckenridge. Yeah. Yep. So Yay. this yeah. is back in the day, no cell phones. We had no credit card. So, so we go to we're out on a limb. We're in New Mexico. Our kids are there. We had three at that point. Dropped them off at grandparents, and we get a phone call. They said, "Hey, we're sick. Our friend, uh, all of our kids are sick. We're not coming, and our friends have decided not to come. So have a good time." But no condo, and no food. They had the food, the condo. We had a little bit of money, so we thought, "Well, the Lord's let's go. still in charge of romance." Yeah. So let's see what he does. So we took off and went to Breckenridge, just Denise and I, and, and you had a specific prayer. Well, we get there, and of course, you know, we, we have very little money. I mean, it's a very small amount of cash, and so we're looking for just a room, and everything is all of our money or more. So it's like, oh my gosh, and I'm, I'm close to tears now. It's like, we've driven all this way, and so I said, Lord, all I want is a is a room with a picture window and a table and two chairs where we can have a quiet time. And we pull up into this quaint place where nobody's there, and they have a room that we can afford. And we walk in, and it has a big, giant picture window, a table and two chairs, and a beautiful view of pine trees and all this. And so then we look at the rest of it, and it's like, we should have probably prayed for more than that. It was like where you'd take your youth group 
for, I mean, it was bunk bed city. It was just a million bunk beds. But it's like, we've got this. So um, then we decided. It was like copper keying at Beartooth Christian Camp. That's what it was. But it had a picture window. It, and we, it, was, it was delightful. It was wonderful. And then we kind of decided we can ski half a day and get uh, peanut butter and a loaf of bread for our meal and have one meal out. And the whole thing was just this adventure, and it was very romantic. And we went to this German restaurant where he doesn't even like German food. We kind of laugh about it now, like, why'd we go there? I don't know. But it was so much fun, and we laughed and laughed and laughed. And so I just think romance are those moments when nothing went right. Everything you kind of plan. Mark planned this great Christmas for me, and all the money was used up in his automobile and yet the lord made it one of the most romantic christmases i've had because of what he did in our relationship and what he did in my relationship to the lord and so this trip to breckenridge it's the same thing so i guess what we're wanting to just say is romance is always there every day with just the lord between him and us you're walking down the street and you see a beautiful tree and you can just thank the Lord for it and the fact that he let you see it and observe it and things like that. So take it away. Well, yeah, I know there's, there's I mean, we've got a string of those and we could bore you with the rest of them tonight. But I, I think that's so important what Denise has said that um, uh, first and foremost in any relationship has to be Christ. Have you thought about that throughout scripture? How many times uh, you've, you've heard they who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. So waiting upon the Lord is a posture that just says, it's not like we're waiting for him to show up. It's like I'm keeping him out in front. If any of you desires to be a follower of mine, Jesus says, he must set aside his selfish ambitions, shoulder his cross daily, which just means keep me out in front and follow me. That's what a real Christ follower is. And so as long as you keep him out in front of your relationship, it's going to not be perfect, but at least you're going to have what you need to have those ingredients that we've talked about, those five words, as, a, uh, as the essence of your relationship. Paying attention to one another, being affirming to each other, being of one accord or having affinity, doing adventures together because adventures build memories and then, of course, affection has its right place in your relationship. And I would add, too, just that idea when you talk about attention. <clears throat> you guys, probably the majority of your life, you've had cell phones in your life. We didn't. And so when cell phones first became something that we had, I remember feeling like, who's joined our dinner? Who, who's joined our conversation and so if you can even have like a no phone zone where when you're on a date or you're with a girlfriend or, you know, the same sex friend that you're out with, if you just put your phones away and, and give each other attention, that's like a training ground for marriage. Because if you can't give attention to your good friend, how are you going to give it to a spouse? So... There are little things like that that I think in our today's culture is so different for you all. And, um, but no matter what culture we grow up in, we still all have those things that we have to address in that to 
show the other one that we value them. Simple things of making coffee, bringing them coffee, running an errand. Those are, to me, they're romantic that he would stop what he's doing and go and get me something because I'm sick. So that's romantic. A um, couple weeks ago, uh, was we had real men here in the morning. Denise calls me and says, uh, are you still at church? Yep. Stay there. I, I'm coming. I'm coming to I'm, I'm gonna. I'm coming to you. I can't remember how yes, she said I that. Asked you which door you were at, yeah. so that I could pull up by the door. And my immediate thought was, "Oh man, one of our grandkids got run over in the driveway." Which I or didn't something. mean to make it sound like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she shows up, and she has this tiny little bag of a of a, a Starbucks old fashioned donut, which is and like his favorite. Thing. And I just love those things. I eat them, you know, so bad sporadically. But yeah, they're horrible for you, but. Uh, you can afford to eat one every now and then. She knew I would like that. And so that moment was incredibly romantic. I was just overwhelmed with that. So just the little things in life make romance what it is. I think the most important thing we want you to leave tonight with is God is super pumped for you guys. We are. We've been at your phase, uh, and you're, you're, you're trying to decide, is there a person for me? How am I going to find that person? When will I know all those questions, and if you'll just trust the Lord, he's got it all figured out. He's got a plan. Uh, before you were even born, he set you apart to do all kinds of amazing things. He knows what you think before you even think it. Before a word is on your tongue, oh, Lord, you know it completely, David says in Psalm 139. He knows the number of hairs on your head, and he loves you as, uh, beyond the, the number of grains of sand on the seashores and the deserts of the earth. His loving thoughts for you outnumber that. So you can trust him for your love relationship. He's got a plan. He's working it. Just trust him. Just keep him out in front. So we want to have this uh, time now to answer any questions. If we have a couple of minutes, uh, do we have enough time? Absolutely. Okay. I so if you have any questions. That clock didn't work back there. And we didn't bring anything. Yeah, I thought, wow, we're, going, we're doing good. Yeah. <laughs> Still five till seven. All right, so uh, just a few questions before you guys leave. Uh, the first one, which was asked like four weeks ago, um, was a simple question. Is It was stated this way, is chivalry dead? And so I would just like to pose to you, what are some ways that you courted your wife well? And what's maybe a couple ways that you didn't do that so well? <laughs> maybe Denise we can kinda ask that. We, yeah. we kind of talked about yeah. the what he didn't do well in the, <laughs> In the front side of dating in that um, not being able to, he, he's a perfectionist by nature. So that making that kind of decision is harder for him. And, um, but I think in marriage, well, from the time you made your decision that I was the one, he has always put me out there. He's always served me. He makes my coffee almost every morning, and he doesn't have to, but it's just, it makes me feel very loved, and um, those, it's those little things, um, so opening the car door, I mean, it's not like he does it every time, but when he does it, it I feel special, and so those are old things, old school things, but 
we women like it. We like a door opened. I just went down to the south. I was just in the south. And I, I just was like, these guys have got it in a lot of that. Just very respectful, very yes ma'am, no ma'am. Not that you guys need to be doing that. But you can definitely open doors for people, pause and wait. Um, because it has shifted so much from the time Mark and I got married to now where I can be coming behind a guy and he will just let the door go. He's not even cognizant that there is a, another person or a woman. And, and I think that's a wonderful thing for a guy to do and um, for his children to see. So it does still exist? Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. Did I go around the world with it? <laughs> that's perfect. You I can it. do that. Yeah, You got it. All right. Uh, second question. Uh, how do you keep the romance alive or keep from being bored slash doing the same thing after being married for so long? So long. <laughs> yeah. We've been so married long. 41 years and just... <laughs> <laughs> just, just... Twice as old as you guys. Just this... <laughs> Thanks, son. Just, just this year, for the first time, I'm like, oh, now people are going to compute our age. And, oh, well, I mean, it's like, I'm still happy. 41 years, that's a great thing. How do we keep from being boring? <laughs> that was the question. Yeah, I know. Right? I know. Okay, I know. <laughs> I think we've done uh, surprise things. We've, we've tried to, we laugh a lot. We've learned to laugh at ourselves and give the freedom for each other to laugh. Um, and that's a whole nother story, but how that like came about. The guy, about. Denise, was trying on a coat last week, and the guy says, uh, I, I know you from somewhere. Uh, is your husband that little guy? He's kind of that small guy. <laughs> and I, I'm kind we of, laughed our heads off over that. I'll never be a large man. I'm, I'm my full-grown size. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wasn't the story I was going to tell. But, but we laugh about we, that. <laughs> We've learned to laugh at ourselves. Like when you're in the middle of an argument, like one time I was, I was mopping and I was, I had told Mark to just give me some time to think. And then I'm mopping and he's sitting up on the counter. The kids are all in bed. They're still, they're We're little, in an argument. Yeah. And, and I, he, he said, well, are you ready to talk? And I said, yes. And I just start like a machine gun. One. And I'm just, I'm mopping like this real hard. And then all of a sudden my legs start splitting. I am not kidding. This kind, this kind, not this kind. And, and I'm going all the way down with this mop. Like I'm in some kind of bad dance routine. And I do everything. It's like, I'm, I'm not falling on this. And I do everything and I bring my legs back together and I kind of pull it together. And I thought, I have two choices. I can remain angry, and this is just going to keep going, or I can realize the Lord has said, really, you are out of control, <laughs> and just move on. So we were able to laugh. We resolved it in about five minutes. That's what I'm talking about, laughing. It's like, look at yourself when you're kind of just off on a tangent. And then the other thing on that is... Um, we have been able to surprise each other by doing something special on a birthday or, and, and making it secretive. I mean, I remember early marriage, he needed glasses, and so I saved and saved and saved money, and we had a friend who was an ophthalmologist in another town, so I told him, I'm picking you up at noon from work, drove to this guy's place a couple hours away, gave him an eye exam, got him glasses, and it was just a fun, 
it was a need that he needed, but it was a fun way to do it. So just surprising your spouse. That's really good. All right, last question. So you guys have been married for long enough. 41. Well, not long enough, uh, but long enough that, that so many people look at your marriage and are so respectful of 41 years, which is an incredible thing. So you've experienced different seasons. Yes. Mm-hmm. How, as, as romance plays a part in your marriage, do you feel like the longer you're married, I, I think that there's a perspective that romance gets harder, but do you feel like that is the opposite? Do you feel like romance has become easier for you because you've been married for longer and know each other, or would you say that romance is more, you have to be more intentional the older you get? Yeah, that is such a great question, and having to think about this for the last couple of weeks has been so good for us. Um, I, I think romance goes in, uh, it, it, uh, maybe it goes in cycles, but it definitely is a journey. It's a different, it's, it's different than the initial, uh, when, I was, when I heard the Rocky music and she was 13, and uh, that was a romantic moment, and we still hold on to that. That was something that God put in our relationship on that day. And we celebrate that. But, um, and, then, and then when we came back together and she's this gorgeous babe at 20, and I'm thinking, whoa. And, and her hair was down to her waist, and she worked at Singer Sewing Machine Company. And, and uh, I went to see her, and I thought, whoa, she's, she's something. And so uh, there was that part of romance. And then we started dating each other and got married and getting to have a, a, a date out when our kids are at home eating pizza and, and on and on. So at this phase of our relationship, it's really about connection. And it's always about connection, but sometimes it's just romantic to just just hang out together. One of the things we love to do together now that we didn't do when our kids were growing up because we had to bang out the food is uh, to fix a meal together. And so we get to talk and uh, just uh, review our day and be creative together. And that is about connection. That's romantic. I, I would just add, too, that um, things change. Because when, you're first at, when you first meet that person, you're, you're kind of giddy in a, a, almost a Hallmark version of love. <laughs> you know, nothing, nothing's wrong with that. It's just not sustainable. Um, and so it does change. You have children, and all of a sudden you see your husband or your wife in a new light. He, he is um, a, a source of strength with children and, and understanding with them and help, and they need that guy, gal, in the child-rearing years, and so that's different. And then you kind of keep moving on, and I remember one time Mark asking, someone asking Mark, this was like 15 years ago, about give one word that would describe your wife, and he told me it was fascinating. And I was like, oh! fascinating. I mean, I've never thought of myself like that. But I, and I use I share that only to say that's what happens as you really get to know the real person. And um is that you get to see their heart and and know them in a whole different way so that early on you're kind of quibbling over things that aren't really important, but you've got to work those out, iron it out. And then it just gets deeper and richer. And I think romance is, I don't know if I could say easier. It's different and richer. That's really good. That's really good. Hey, uh, as we close, would you guys just pray for us? And uh, we'd just love that. We'd love to do that. You want to pray and then I'll pray? Okay. 
Lord, I just thank you so much for this group of young people that you've brought together and those that um, are mentoring them. Lord, life is such an adventure with you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we forget that you've got it. You've got, you know where you're taking us. You know what you're developing in our lives. And, and you so desire an intimate relationship with us. And so, Lord, I pray that this group would remember that tonight, that you've got the answers for them and they can rest in you. You will carry them along. They don't have to plod and work and strive for that. You want to grow it in them, and you're available. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm so excited they're here, and I'm so excited that they want to know what you have to offer them. And we love you so much, Lord, and we thank you so much for what you've done in each life here and what you're planning on doing and loving just watching the adventure unfold. And Lord, in this room tonight, there are young men and young women that are wondering what your plan is for them. Lord, my prayer for each of them is that they can sense that they're just sitting in your lap and they are being loved by you, that they would, they would feel like they're the only player on the soccer field and you're watching every move that they're making. And that you do have a plan for their life. And Lord, there are even those in this room tonight that are wondering, is there a chance for forgiveness? Is there, is there redemption? Is there an opportunity for me to erase this chalkboard and rewrite what my story might look like? And the fact is, God, you are such a God of second chances. And I'm so thankful that that even at this phase of our lives that Denise and I are still learning and growing and experiencing you in new and exciting ways. And even in the midst of, of days or, or times when we have conversations where we, we miss the mark and we, we fail uh, to be the kind of spouse that our, our mate deserves. Lord, would you help that person recognize tonight that they can be forgiven, that you are writing their story and that you're taking them to a new place if they will come to that place of saying, Lord, you can help yourself to my one and only life. The next move is yours. When you move, God, I will move. I'm following you. I'm waiting on you. I choose to surrender my life to you and follow your lead. Have your way with me. And I pray that for every person in this room tonight. And I thank you for the time here. In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope that you guys got a ton out of this conversation and uh, Mark and Denise were just incredible and they were willing to be vulnerable with us and tell us their story and it was just uh, an amazing night and we would love for you to come and be a part of those nights too. We meet at 7 o'clock at Faith Chapel on Tuesday nights. We would love to see you come be a part of the family to build community, to, to find people to encourage you, for you to encourage, for us to push each other towards Jesus. Uh, there's nothing better than being surrounded by people who are running the same race as you. But if you can't make it on Tuesday nights, we totally understand that the schedules get crazy. Or if you're missing a Tuesday night, that's why we do this podcast. So we hope that this conversation and that this podcast continues to feed you. We love you guys and we hope to see you soon.